0: Hi, everybody. Brian Davis here. It's Longhorn Confidential time yet again. Here with Kirk Bowles and Cedric Golden and boys, the three of us had, uh, along with Danny Davis, we had a fantastic trip to Dallas uh, this past weekend, although we had to sit through five hours of just sheer craziness at the Cotton Bowl. Texas was number 22, but they are not ranked anymore after a 53-45 loss to Oklahoma and the Red River Showdown, Shootout, Rivalry, whatever it is we're calling it these days, right? Texas is now, once again, out of the top 25. They are 2-2. Two and two. They are 1-2. and two. They've now lost back-to-back Big 12 games. There are stats galore that signify that the Tom Herman program is very much struggling. Um, but, Sed, let me start with you. Um, what's your big-picture takeaway from the weekend before we get to what happened today in the, in the press conference?
1: They are who they are. They can't stop anybody. Uh, They're a a one-man offense, basically, with Sam Ellinger having to take on all the responsibilities. They can't run the football, and they figure out ways uh, to hamper themselves with penalties, with drops, uh, and just with careless decisions. And it all goes back to who's coaching you. Um, A long time ago, and, and Bill Parcells always said, you are what your record says you are. And I don't know who else said it, but I agree with this. You are an extension of your coach. And so the players play, and they make mistakes. But Tom Herman is the $6 million man, and he's nowhere near close to Steve Austin right now because this team is anything but bionic duck.
2: I think it's safe to say all is not calm in Austin, Texas. And I think we're seeing that in Tom's reaction. And that's just the scariest prospect is that we're sitting here in Tom Herman's year four, and it almost looked like they're back to scratch. And really,
0: yes, that's a, that's a very good place jumping off uh, back to the back to square one. Well, let's talk about what happened today at the press conference. Tom Herman comes to the podium on Zoom, of course, because we're all on Zoom, comes to the podium with a prepared statement, okay? And the statement is basically a statement about the eyes of Texas. And without getting into it word for word, Tom basically said that they are they are asking the players to stay after games, stand out there with coaches uh, as a way to say thank you to the fans. But he, again, But again, he did mention that UT president, Jay Hartzell, who is brand new in the job, by the way, brand new, has ordered a uh, thorough review that is to be completed by January. And so said, um, we all saw that Sam Ellinger was the only player that was really front and center out there, Cameron Dicker and and another walk-on were out there, but Sam was the one that everyone saw, the whole world saw, out there by himself. (laughs) Is this a problem? Is the eyes a problem? Because I, I think this is a nuclear bomb that, that this administration has no idea how to, how to uh, uh,
1: decode. Yes. Okay, let me rephrase okay, that I'm question. I'm sorry. Let me I, I, question. Was in, I was in Dallas this past weekend, and I, I saw a head coach set a record for most one-word answers in the history of a presser. Yes. Yes. Uh, I will say yes. when your leader and when the only guy on this team um, preseason with any kind of all-American potential is by himself, basically the only real player on this, you know, starter, your most high prof- high-profile guys on the field by himself, uh, standing for the eyes, it signifies division, a lack of unity, a lack of cohesiveness. And like you said, Brian, it is a nuclear bomb. And it has not detonated yet. But like I asked Tom this morning, and I'll let you get to this, Duck. We know that you're going to leave it on the field against OU. That's OU. That's a game these guys dreamed of playing since they were five or six years old. But what happens against Iowa State? What happens against Baylor? What happens against Oklahoma State, K-State? What happens then when the whole world's not watching? That's when these little, these little issues that we see will fester and fester and they will come to a head. So I know that they're trying to maybe minimize it and act like it's not a huge issue in that locker room. But when I see, when I see uh, 82 people walk away and two or three are just are standing for it, I think it's a problem.
2: Are you sure that bomb hadn't detonated?
1: No. Yes. I, no, I, I don't think it has yet, but I, but I do think it's about to, and it's going to get worse. Uh, no, I, I'm,
0: I'm, do, I'm doing more shtick.
1: Yes.
2: Oh, it, it has, has
1: detonated. Yes. Y'all think it has. Tell me why, Doug. Tell me why.
2: It hadn't detonated. The fuse is lit, okay? Oh, now, yes. Are, are the cases open and the button sitting there, okay? Because I really thought Oklahoma uh, was more Chernobyl than Cotton Bowl. Because the way they lost, the way Texas played for three quarters, uh, the two-and-two record, the picture is worth a thousand words when Sam's pretty much the only player on that. And the fallout, as we all know, has been considerable. It's been far-reaching. It's reaching Del Conte and Hartzell's desk. And people are pissed off. We know that. And it's hard for me to believe that it's not affecting the way the team plays because they are not singularly focused. Now, I don't think any of us would pretend to know how divided the team is in the locker room, but I think the players and the coaches and the equipment managers, you know, they know. And it's it's still – the can is still getting kicked down the road. I don't think Hartzell should have formed that committee because that just prolongs the misery and the question marks. So I would just say – I'll just finish in saying Tom said today at the press conference, he said, I've, I've told the team, I've encouraged them to participate. Why don't you tell the team? Tell the team to stay on the field. They don't have to sing. They don't. And just stay on the field to show yourself as a team and recognize the fans who came to support you. You don't have to sing. Don't make it so much about the eyes right now as much as it should be a unified team.
0: Well, let's talk about some on-field issues uh, because, you know, we could talk about the eyes all day long, but we definitely want to hit just the fact that this team is sloppy, okay? Three straight games of double-digit penalties. I'm sorry, that is not a – that's not a one-day thing. That's not a one-player or two-player issue thing. That is a chronic team problem when in three conference games you have had ten penalties or more, and some of the penalties – uh, are just straight, just simply egregious. You know, Derek Kerstetter just just slamming an OU, OU player after Ellinger gets a uh, gets gets a first and goal there. Ryan Bushefsky, uh, you know, who had a terrible day, and then picks up an unsportsmanlike penalty. Junior Angulow, uh, his his play, he jumped off sides on fourth and short when they needed when they really needed to to get a first down there. That's in addition to letting his man blow him up for a blocked field goal, and. I do believe Tom when he says that, that the players are sorry and they are they – are, you know, they're very – they feel terrible about it. I get it. And I believe him 100%. What does that mean,
2: okay? though? What does well, that mean? And,
0: and, and, this, is, and this, is the, this is what I want to – the question to both you guys. Because said – you know, we talked about this in the, in the press box. I said, look, Tom's not coaching these guys to do this. And said, you said, yeah, but he's still the head coach. He's not coaching them not to.
1: They're reflecting. Exactly. exactly. You play like you practice, unless you're a choker, where you just where you're great at practice, and when the bright lights come on, you just don't have it. I think the team I saw play in the fourth quarter and overtime is capable of winning games, but the team I saw in the first three and a half quarters is what we've seen for for most of this year, not counting UTEP, which is not a which is not a barometer uh UTEP is not they're horrible. So I think that Texas is what Texas is, a mistake prone, excuse making, um losing culture right now because ever since Sam said that we're back they are 10 and 7, that's not back. That doesn't even win the Sun Belt. So for me, I am very very passionate uh when I say uh, a team that walks the walk and talks the talk, like a Clemson, like an Alabama every year, those are the teams that we can talk about in glowing terms. But a team like Texas, uh, let's just call it what it is, the Sugar Bowl, uh, great win, but that maybe that was just one great weekend in New Orleans had by all. Because it did. it turns out it was not a harbinger of things to come. It
2: wasn't. Yeah, it's representative of where that team was then, but not the program. Uh, you can't don't commit what was it, 23 penalties the last two games? Good team, good team smart teams. Okay, good teams don't make stupid penalties game after game. And to me, it's about accountability. And Tom likes to use that word as well. I'll never forget during that five-game. Losing streak to OU when Mac Brown was here, and I asked Brent Venables in the post game. He said, "What? What's the difference?" And he looked and said, "You get what you demand. That's accountability." And then he and apologized
1: because he was too real.
2: <laughs> he was too like, real. Don't give him that. Don't,
1: yeah, don't, that. don't say that, Brent. He yeah. was too real that day, but he was right, Doug. Was yeah, right. and I, you, you know, know, know what happened. And I'm sorry to interrupt, Duck. What right. happens after that? After that comment is. A guy named by the name of Vince Young shows up, mm-hmm. and Vince Young, not Mac Brown, Vince Young demanded more of his teammates and and took over the leadership of this program and took them to special places. Now uh, I want to ask, I don't uh, Sam Ellinger, I wrote about Sam Ellinger this weekend, and he's a fringe top ten Texas quarterback of all time, one and four all time against OU. He'll end up. Where do you guys put Sam in the annals of Texas quarterbacks, starting with you, BD?
0: Well, I have to say, listening to you and Kirk, when y'all were talking about it in the press box, I kind of thought to myself, Are you are you kidding? This this guy, this guy's like one of the top five. I even heard you even ask about Duke Carlisle said, and I was like, What are you talking about?
1: Definitely and then
0: sure. and then on the drive home, you know, where I had nothing but three and a half hours to myself. I thought, you know, you know said is right. At wow. least Peter Gard- at least Peter Gardera went four and0 against Oklahoma. Um, to, to be considered among the great quarterbacks at Texas, you have to win a title. You have to win a conference championship. That is the minimum, That's the minimum, right? And as, as, much, as, as much as we love Sam the athlete, as much as we love Sam the person, uh, he has great stats. You know, he's – unless they have some sort of miracle turnaround here, they're, he's not going to win a championship in four years as a starter. And I'm sorry, but that puts you automatically in the second tier of of Texas quarterbacks. Stats yeah, it, be damned.
2: Yes. It's results-driven business, okay? We all know that. It's never more clear than in sports. That's why we had the scoreboard. And he's an excellent quarterback, you know. And whether he's 9 or 11 – it is in some ways immaterial. He's had an excellent career. Uh, I think he's going to be remembered for being just a gutsy quarterback. Tough. Who, who milked the most potential out of himself. And I think, bottom line, he could really be remembered for two things. Beating Georgia and maybe saying a line he wishes he hadn't said. And then singing the eyes of Texas when he was all alone. And Absolutely. And a ton of fans are going to remember that moment forever. You know, listen, guy, I, listen
0: I, 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 I can't tell you
2: the I can't tell
0: you the amount of A and M, Baylor, and OU fans that were in my mentions. Or some of them sent me emails. I mean, I'm telling you, fans of other schools were stunned and and so impressed that that number eleven would stand up for his school uh, like that. And I promise you, I, I would almost I would almost take this to the bank that. Outside of maybe Trevor Lawrence, there's not another fan base in this country that wouldn't take Sam Ellinger right now on their team.
1: Oh, absolutely. And But let me ask you guys this. Where is the fan base in this? Because there are people in my community who will not sing that song. And they're all sure. fans. They're, they are Longhorn fans. But then there are people uh, on the other side of the debate. Uh, Sam Ellinger is Mount Rushmore to them now because he stood and he sung is this song bigger than the program to some of these people duck
2: no no it's not bigger than the program See, why are we still talking about it because it's an integral part of the program i mean you know how you separate it from bevo like let's get rid of bevo you know i mean right. it, it's such an integral part of the foundation of this school and and, you know, my daddy went to UT and played on the football team. He wasn't a player. He was on the football team. And all three of my brothers and I all went to UT. I painted my bedroom burn orange when my folks went on a summer vacation to Iowa. We sang the Eyes of Texas at my dad's funeral. Okay? It's a connector. It creates a bond between players and coaches and and fans. It's not about the song per se, but this is the right uh, R-I-T-E that uh, fans believe in. They sit they, at funerals, as I just said, at weddings, you know, bar mitzvahs. I mean, you know, Alan Bean took a copy to the moon. I mean, it's – you just can't – it's not just a song, okay? It's what it stands for. And, and that's why I think Sam as much was thanking the fans – As you know, I don't think he's trying to alienate himself from the team. Oh, absolutely not. He would never do that. No, he wouldn't do that. But but he did
1: take a stand that he he knew before he took would be viewed as unpopular by some in his locker room. I don't
2: understand why it's unpopular when, you know, he supports them in this social justice movement. I would think they would support him in his belief, wouldn't they? See, Some see of I, them would, Brian. Let, let me get this real quick, Brian. Some would, but
1: you also have to remember that that song was on the list of demands. They wanted that song out of there. And yeah. we all agree that that song wasn't going anywhere. So um, I believe that his actions, while honorable to many, are going to probably be the source of a little bit of consternation in that locker room. And that's why I asked Tom about unity.
2: But to me, respect is a two-way street. They should respect, you know, Absolutely. each other's side is yeah, what I like I say.
0: Look, I've said this to Chris Delcani. I've said this to other people in the Texas administration. They need to have an open forum type of thing. I mean, think about it. What do families do? You get everybody in the room and you have it out, right? And Put it on thing the table. Is, Exactly. You put it all on the table. You get everybody to get their feelings out in one shot. And everybody says what they feel to each other's face. Right. And then you go from there. Problem is COVID. Nope. you can't have any mass gathering, you know, so I don't, I don't know how you get around that because this is not something you want to do on zoom. I don't mm-hmm. think. Right. But, but, you know, pe- people have asked, sent me some emails and going, you know, why is this such a big deal? And I said, and i say to them, well, just imagine if somebody told Texas A&M, uh, putting your arm around the person next to you and sawing Varsity's horns off. Hey, you know, some people think that's racist, right? And you need to do away with something that is so integral to the school. I mean, that's a problem, right? And, and when you explain it in ways of like, hey, um, some people think Boomer Sooner is racist. Y'all got to stop saying Boomer Sooner. Well, no, wait a minute, you know. So where, where, where you fall on this is, is, uh, is important. But my my point is, is that this is not just going to go away. This is not something that the administration can brush under the rug and hope that, you know, winning cures it. This is bigger than what's happening
1: on the field. College football is about tradition. It just is. And every school has its unique traditions. We think about Texas. We think about Bevo. We think about that song. We we think about them singing it. We think about Aggies swaying a press box moving under our feet. We think of all of those things. And so um, you, you can change a lot of things, but traditions die hard. And I'm of the belief that this song will never go away. Um, Maybe one day they will figure out a way to tweak it to make people happier. Uh, But then is it even the eyes of Texas anymore, Doug?
2: I don't think it is. And you know, to, to brian's point of how it should be handled as far as a family hashing it out i agree with that I and i think that should have been done in june or august you know brian and we can't get together we saw each other for like the first time you know in dallas at the cotton Bowl, and it was awesome shout but, out yeah. the papacitos <laughs> <laughs> these are very good stuff and i almost if it were me, I would, if I was Tom, I would say, listen, I understand your side. I understand your side. I, I want to support you, but our team has to come first. We have to be a unified team, and this is what I'm going to expect of all of you players is that you stay on the field, honor the fans, recognize the fans, thank you, the fans. Don't sing the eyes, don't hum the eyes, whatever, but stand as a team and thank your fans.
1: Run over and wave at them, and then make your way to the to the tunnel.
2: Yeah, but you you can
1: just I, I I'm i I'm not opposed to them just standing there uh, at attention, and well, you don't have to put your horns up and sing that song if you don't want and talk yeah, like as that. much. So stay like out, stand too. out there, but but yeah, you know, like and team, leaving yeah uh, while it's playing it seems to me to be a slap in the face to the fans. It's
2: disrespectful.
0: Yeah, I, I very much like that idea as well. We saw the volleyball team do that uh, this past weekend. They stayed on the court, faced the crowd, uh, and, but they were there uh, for the playing of, of the school song. We need to hit on some other football-related things before we run out of time. Let's hit the injuries real quick. Chris Brown uh, has a sprained shoulder. It's unclear if he injured that while flexing after giving up uh, yardage. Uh, Roshan Johnson also has a shoulder sprain. Uh, Jake Smith, uh, Tom Herman called it a really weird deal how uh, Jake aggravated his hamstring in warmups and he uh, did not play against Oklahoma and Caden Stearns had a turf toe issue. Uh, they could have loved to have all those athletes out on, out on the field. Uh, social media went crazy over the weekend saying that Jake Smith, you know, deleted all the stuff off his Instagram account and all this other stuff. I don't know anything about that. I just know that uh, I, I take Tom and his word that, that he was hurt. Uh, and you know, everybody's looking for conspiracy theories right now. I don't think that's, That's one that's there. Um, We need to touch on Baylor for a second. Texas is off this week, but Baylor has – Baylor is uh, UT's next opponent. Baylor has suspended football activities until October 17th because of a COVID outbreak. Said, are we going to even have this game in in, uh, two Saturdays from now?
1: Right now I'd say no. Baylor's got problems. They've got real (laughs) problems down there. And I I, – excuse me. Up there, uh, where we are, South of Baylor, uh, I don't think I don't know that that it'll happen. And and I, and I will also say, if I'm Tom Herman or CDC, you I'm going to think happen? I'm going to think twice before I want my guys lining up against uh, a team that's been plagued by the COVID virus. So I, I'm 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 uh, maybe a little bit more pessimistic than most, but it wouldn't shock me if that game wasn't played. Kirk, what do
2: you think? Well, it wouldn't shock me either. But the fact that this week's Baylor Oklahoma State game was postponed to December twelfth, which is supposedly the the date of the Big Twelve Championship, there was before. Now that moves back to the nineteenth. So they're they're painting themselves in a corner where they're not going to have dates anymore. Where some teams might play nine games, some teams might play eight games. So you know, Dave Aranda was was pretty hopeful on the conference call today that they would play in two weeks, and, you know, they're just trying to, you know, keep their players safe and healthy, and we always got to say that's utmost in all of our minds, so, uh, you know, I, I think there'd probably be a better chance that maybe they get a handle on it, because that'd be, what, like three weeks in between games for Baylor, so I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this is one area that Texas deserves a lot of kudos uh, with is, is how they're keeping a lot of their players COVID free. Uh, but you got to knock on wood on that because obviously we know this is a, a never ending thing, you know, uh, as, as uh, we all battle through pandemic 2020. Um, look, this is a very interesting time. Um, I know a lot of people expected to be expected texas to be better than what they are right now i know i certainly did cedric i know you did kirk you did as well
1: oh wow <laughs> I, got, I guess i gotta say this um <laughs> the last three weeks i've been driving the texas cfp yes. wagon um and the wagon has been uh, suspended until <laughs> further notice uh, we won't be driving the wagon no more hiya no uh, so much for the wagon. I'm, I'm, invest, I'm investing in a Yugo. I'm not driving anywhere. You <laughs> well, you
0: you probably should be just going ahead and punching up Uber and uh, getting someone to take you wherever it is you're going, as opposed to uh, driving the wagon anywhere. Uh, but, but we wrap it up here in this off week. Uh, we won't have any more. We won't have any player availability and no assistant coaches to talk to this week. Uh, Kirk, I'll start with you this time. What needs to happen? you know, in the next seven days, in the next 14 days, and quite frankly, the next two months, for Tom Herman to work his way off the hot seat, because let's be honest,
2: he's on the hot seat at this point,
0: work his way off the hot seat and work his way back into uh, good graces with the fan base.
2: Well, they got to look like a sound, fundamentally well-coached team. I'm not sure they can do that. I mean, I know he likes to use the word fixable, but quite honestly, it's hard to fix things that are this fundamental during a season. So, you know, uh, I mean, I picked them to go eight and two. I don't know if they can win six straight. Uh, and they've, they've done it before, you know, but uh, I just think, you know, again, it's about accountability. I'd rather Tom come on here on the press conference and say, you know, we're not a real good team. We're not a real good team. We're not the top 25. You see our penalties. We can't run the ball. Our defense is too leaky at times. I wish he would own it a little bit more, and then put that back on the team. You know, just say, I'm not doing a good job coaching. You know, players, you're not doing a good job playing. This is not Pop Warner. So my deep gut feel is that it's not fixable this season.
1: Ted? I think think they're going to be really fortunate to finish above 500. you got road games at Oklahoma State, at the Little Apple. Uh, Iowa states you got to play Iowa State. Uh, Those are really, really good teams. And in the case of K-State, better than we anticipated. Um, I I believe that it starts at the top with Tom. His hires, and we talked before the season, uh, would they be able to uh, gel as a coaching staff? Chris Ash has been a colossal failure through four games. Worse than T.O., I mean, worse than T.O. And T.O. had his moments. We talk about T.O., but T.O. had his moments as a defensive coordinator. So um, I, I think that it starts defensively, and uh, that's a sieve right now. Uh, they're going to get their numbers offensively. They'll score. They still have talent. Jordan Whittington should give Horn fans hope. Uh, can't run the ball. But Kirk asked a question, you're going to have to throw it 50 or 60 times a game. And Tom goes, I don't know about all of that. You know what, Kirk? That was a damn good question because that might be what it comes down to. If you can't stop anybody, why, why not be in a hurry up like you were in the, in the last part of that OU game? So I think we might see a drastic turn uh, in, in strategy over this next couple of weeks till we see them again. I think they may open things up. Jordan Whittington, Tariq Black, Sam Ellinger and just toss that thing around 40 to 45 times a game that may give them their best chance to win.
0: Absolutely. I thought Jordan Winnington would look fantastic. Good to finally see him out there, all of the health problems that he has had. But listen, we need to wrap this up now. Uh, Longhorn Confidential for the week. For Kirk and, and Cedric, I'm Brian Davis. We'll talk to you next time.